you, if you're new here, and if I, if I don't know you, my name is Luke, and I'm thrilled to be able to both host this meeting and share a message with us in a few moments. Um, yeah, what a great start to the year. I, I, certainly in my life, it may not be the case for all of us, but uh, it just feels like this year is pregnant with possibility again, doesn't it? It just feels like we're pregnant with possibility. I've got a few announcements I want to lead us through before we transition to um, uh, preaching of the Bible. And so um, let me do that. If you're a first-time visitor, hey, I'd love to extend a special welcome to you, even if you're joining us online. Let me uh, greet those of us in person here. If you're a visitor, um, we have got a visitor's form at the involvement desk, which I would normally hand out to you, but because of COVID, we're not really allowed to do that. And so uh, can I uh, ask that at the end of this meeting, you just pick one of those forms up and fill it in. It tells you a little bit about who we are as a church and how we do life as a church, which is important. And it will give us a little bit of information about you. And so we can contact you and work out how to take the appropriate next steps. If you're online, there's uh, at the end of this meeting in the links that will come up, a description, uh, there is a link to the same form in digital form. Would you fill it out? We'd love to actually make contact with you and to work out how we can serve you in taking next steps. Okay, um, I want to just point out to also uh, that Kids Rock is happening in the kids' facility, that Ignite for preteens is happening in that side as well. I don't see any kids here that should be in there. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, uh, that's okay. But if they are, then I've missed you. Please uh, just, just slip out there and one of our leaders will guide you there. I'm sure Adam will just show you the right way to go and he'll catch you. Um, Next announcement is uh, our giving slide, uh, EFT Giving. We're a church who give generously to the work of God in and through this local church and this community. And uh, to those who've, who, who are part of that and who've been doing that, I just want to stop by saying thank you so much. You know, God has been really good to us as a church. We're in a great space financially as we look at 2022. And so we're able to do much this year. Um, we're excited about that. But please make sure that you make use of the right uh, giving codes uh, because Common Ground at the moment for the next little while uh, is making use of one bank account. And so the way we distinguish different congregations and giving is by that giving code. And so please make sure that's the right one. I'll tell you a little bit more about why I just I said for the next little while in a second. Um, one uh, or two other things we're going to get to. It's the beginning of the year, so there's a few more announcements. But uh, really, I'm going to touch on them because all the information will be in your weekly mailer, which, yes, we should all read, and in the uh, links that will be sent out on the WhatsApp group. Um, and so, really exciting. We're launching a seniors life group again. After COVID, obviously, so many seniors in very high risk because of COVID. We've had to take strict precautions, and many of the residences, in fact, where they live, have been shut down to visitors and those sorts of gatherings. But 2020 provides new possibilities. And so we're launching a seniors group, which will be starting at 10 a.m. here at Africa House uh, on Wednesday mornings. And so if you're... Um, oh, sorry, what I miss? Yeah. yeah, okay. I thought I... Whenever Lauren says something, I think she's correcting me because I'm doing something wrong. Uh, she's very helpful like that. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I really do mean that in the nicest way because I get a lot of stuff wrong. Let me just be... This, this, this is not my strong suit. Um, uh, anyway, um, and so yeah, 10 a.m. Wednesday morning here at Africa. So nice to be able to use this premises for that. If that's you, why don't you sign up at the involvement desk as well. Now, what's going to be coming up in the next few uh, weeks that's super exciting is next week we launch our series called This Is Us. And what we're going to be doing is unpacking the six values that make us as Common Ground South Penn us. 
These are the things that make us us. So this is us launches next week as we look at being gospel-defined, gospel-centered, and what that means for us as a local church. Um, and so we launched that. But week two of that series, we're super excited about it. It's our 25th birthday is Common Ground. And it's also the Sunday at which one church, many congregations, becomes a family of independent congregations. And uh, that's the, the Sunday in which we celebrate that moment. We look back on the faithfulness of God over 25 years, and we also celebrate the future uh, in a different way. That Sunday, we're so privileged to have Andrew Haslin from London with us, who leads a thriving church in the city of London. Um, you may know that uh, surname as well um, from other churches in London as well, and uh, his family. But uh, Andrew is a rock star preacher. He's an outstanding communicator of the scriptures and of Christ and the gospel. And so we're so thrilled to be able to have him with us that Sunday, the 6th of February, as we celebrate that. And so mark that one. It's going to be a big Sunday to look forward to, 6th of February. And you don't have to remember any of that because it's in your weekly mailer and it's in your WhatsApp message. Okay, are we ready to transition into today's sermon and message? Okay, my, well, let's, let's jump into it. This is my first Sunday back, right? Uh, last Sunday at, at 5 o'clock, we arrived back as a family with a caravan laden with mud and bicycles and tents and dirty clothes and bellies that are five kilo, kilograms heavier, well, me anyway, just me, five kilograms heavier than what they were when we left. And then 7.30 on Monday morning, started work. It was a bit of a jolt to the system. I won't lie to you. Um, but it, man, I'm catching up to speed and I'm thrilled to be back and to see all your faces. It's just beautiful. And as we launch this message, what we're doing today is we're, um, we're, we're going to tie up a series we've been working through over three years, our last sermon in the book of Mark. But as we do, I want to ask this question to you. 2022, the beginning of a year, are you giving your life to the right things? Are you giving your life to the right things? Are you building your life around the right things? Is the, for lack of a better description, is the ladder that you're climbing in life, is it leaning against the right building? Because, because it's possible to spend lots of time, it's possible to spend lots of effort, it's possible to do loads of things and then look back years later and regret all of them. And I'd hate for us to spend 2022, I'd hate for us to spend all this effort and all this time in our lives, and discover that we've been pursuing the wrong things. This passage today is going to help us ask and answer that question. Are we giving our lives to the right things? I want to say up front this, that we're looking at one of the trickiest passages I think I've ever had to preach. It's, uh, uh, we, we, it's one of the trickiest passages in the Bible for my money. And I think it's also been a passage that's been poorly understood in the church as well. There are two main themes in this passage. Um, both of them are predictions. Both of them are predictions about the future that Jesus is making, right? Both of them are predictions about the future that Jesus is making, two main themes, and we're going to unpack them and, and apply what they mean to our lives. And so, this is the last sermon, if memory serves me correctly, 46 out of 46 through the book of Mark, and it may well be the trickiest passage in the entire book. I hope you got your coffee this morning as you came in, but let's buckle up and let's grapple with the Word of God. And so, I... Uh, uh, who's going to be reading? Elmi, are you going to be reading? Oh, thank you. Will you come up and read to us from Mark chapter 13? 
We're not going uh, to have that one up on the scripture as Elmi reads. And then when I preach it and unpack it, we'll have elements of it on. So just try and allow your mind to concentrate on the words as we hear the whole chapter read to us by Elmi. Are you ready? Oh, there's a mic. Sorry. I'll keep appropriate social distance. Elmi. Morning. Hope everyone had a good holiday. Okay, so Mark 13, Jesus foretells destruction of the temple. And as he came out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left alone one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat in the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign that when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I'm he, and he will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth plans. But be on guard, for they will deliver you over to the councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings of my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say what is, given, what is given you in the hour, for it is not who you speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over death, and the father has child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all of my namesakes, but the one who endures to the end will be saved." But when you see the abomination of dissolution standing where he ought not to be, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to, to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, Pray that it, may not be, that it may not happen in winter, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been in the beginning of the creation of God, created until now, and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect who are chosen, he shortened the days. And if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard, I have told you all these things beforehand. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from the heavens, and the power in the heavens will be shaken." And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. 
As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that it is near, at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on God and keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Thank you so much, Elmi. Okay, well done. Oh, I won't even touch your mask. Okay, so tricky passage, hey? Some of you, uh, you know the passage we're grappling with. And, uh, and so, um, yeah. Let me start by saying a few things. Uh, this is a very trickle Bible, a tricky Bible context. I mean, a text. There are many different interpretations by many different Bible scholars, all of whom or many of whom are far more intelligent and clever than me, right? I want to just go on record and say that. So this is a, there's a lot of humility with which I'm going to tackle today, but I also don't think that absolves us of having to draw a line and have a conviction around what we believe it's saying. Um, and so, yes, there are others who would be cleverer than us who would disagree with some of these things, and there would be many who would be cleverer than us who would agree as well. And the second thing I want to say is if you're new to the Bible, most of the Bible is far easier to understand than this. This just happens to be a tricky one, so don't be put off by this, okay? We can get through it. Okay, let's ask the question in the beginning uh, by way of introduction. Why is this passage so tricky? Uh, the first thing we need to understand is that there are two major events that Jesus is speaking about in this passage. Number one, the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in AD 70. And the second event that he's speaking about is the return of Christ in the future, the second coming of Christ. AD, we don't know, right? Um, primarily, this passage is about the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, but it also speaks about the second coming of Jesus. Now, this passage is tricky. It's complicated for two reasons. It's difficult to know which prediction is about which event. And we get into um, different camps when we start to misread some of these things or read them differently. And the second reason is because they are tied together. It is blurry because Jesus attaches his return to the fall of Jerusalem in such a way as to say this one is a kind of foreshadow or a warning of that. It's this event that triggered me telling you about this event because this does tell you something about that. And so it's blurry in that we struggle to distinguish, but it's also blurry in that one is a foreshadow of the other. And so all that to say, now you know why it's tricky. We're going to be taking a very balanced, middle-of-the-road uh, uh, understanding of where this passage lands. It's where I personally believe it lands as well. But I want to, I want to say by way of introduction, last thing. Uh, in our church, we have blood, ink, and pencil doctrines and beliefs. This is not a blood issue. This is not a, a, a pen issue or ink issue. This is a pencil one uh, in terms of how we hold these things and work it out. If you land in a different place, that is okay. 
Does that make sense by way of introduction? Let's jump in. The first event, the fall of Jerusalem. Let's unpack what Jesus is saying here. And as we unpack the fall of Jerusalem, we're going to answer four questions of this text. What is the temple? Why is it coming down? When is it going to happen? And what must they do about it? They who are there at the time. Let's read verse 1 together as we recap. And as Jesus, um, sorry, as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look! Teacher, look at these wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, and let me just just say, it was the most incredible building that any of these people would ever have seen in their lives. It was glorious, magnificent. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be one, uh, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Okay. What was the temple? The temple was the most spectacular building that any of them would have seen in their lives. It was, it was Wall Street to New York City. It was the heart. It, it, was, um, it was Hollywood to L.A. For, for Liverpool fans, it was Anfield to Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool fans. It was, uh, is it Old Trafford to Man City fans? It was all of those things. I'm not a, a I don't know all, all of those things. Um, it, it was Ellis Park to Lions fans. It was, um, it was Loftus to Bulls fans. Stormers, I don't know where we land because we've lost Newlands. We haven't played yet at Greenpoint Stadium. So I don't really know that we can go and watch. Anyway, all of those things, but on steroids, right? Like, like just Liverpool fans. I know you think Anfield's a big deal. This is much bigger. Right? That's what was going on. And Jesus says it's going to be torn down. It was also the heart of the Jewish religious system. It was the the very interface between God and Israel with the priests as the mediators. This was the temple. Why was it coming down? Well, really, Mark told us in in, in chapter 11, it's coming down because it was dying and dead. On the way, you remember Mark chapter 11, Jesus is walking to the temple. It's just after the Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. Jesus is walking back to the temple and he walks past the fig tree and Jesus wants to eat some fruit, but the fig tree is barren and Jesus curses the fig tree. We'll talk about that in a second. And then they walk by and then Jesus goes straight past the cursing of the fig tree into the temple. And as he walks into the temple, he clears the temple. He literally cracks the whip and chases everyone out of the temple because the temple is being abused. The temple is fruitless. The temple is not mediating between, uh, between God and Israel. It's not mediating between Israel and the world. It's, it's, it's not become a house of prayer for all the nations. All the nations of the earth are not coming to God because of the life of God in the temple. In fact, it's become a dead religious system that's been disconnected from God. And Jesus cracks the whip literally. And then upon walking out, they walk past the fig tree that Jesus cursed. And the fig tree is withered and it's dead. And the disciples pick up on this. And Mark tells the story of the cleansing of the temple, sandwiched in between the account of the cursing of the fig tree, so as to say, let me tell you, this is actually about that, what is happening. In those days, Cursing wasn't swearing because you were angry. It wasn't a cuss word. Uh, in those days, cursing wasn't even like African culture where you, you speak a curse on something. Cursing was pronouncing judgment on, sim, on something. And Jesus was pronouncing judgment really on the temple, the whole religious system. The nations weren't coming to God. They were, in fact, working against its intended purpose. And they had been warned, they had been called back, but had refused to come back. And now judgment was coming. 
But through this judgment, something new was going to be birthed, a whole new system, a whole new way of relating to God. Something was going to die, but something new was going to be birthed. Jesus' disciples hear that the temple is going to be destroyed, and so they ask the obvious question, when is this going to happen? Verse 3 and verse 4. And as he sat down on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will the sign be when all these things will be accomplished? Jesus is now speaking about something that's going to happen in the future, making predictions in a sense about the future. And Jesus begins talking about the time between the moment he's speaking now, AD 33, and the fall of Jerusalem, destruction of the temple in AD 17. I believe that's the focus right through to verse 30. Why I believe that, read verse 29 and 30 with me quickly before we unpack it. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. I think he's talking about the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple between verse 30 and verse 3. He's answering the question, when will this happen? For those of you who may be uh, wondering, why do I need to know this? It's going to become relevant a little later, I promise you. We're getting there. It's going to build and we're going to get there. Let's read verse 5. What does Jesus say? Uh, when's it going to happen? What's this period between AD 33 and AD 70 all about? Verse 5 and 6. Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead you astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. It's Jesus saying, These are not signs of the end. Verse 8. For nation will rise against nation, the kingdom against uh, kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. But these are but the beginning of birth pains. Something new is going to be born through this time. Verse 9. But be on your God. This is what you must do. Be on your God, for they will deliver you over to councils. You will be beaten in synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings for my sake and bear witness before them. But the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over... Do not be anxious beforehand about what you are to say, but whatever you say will be given to you in the hour, for that is, um, it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. You think, of, you think of the gospel being preached to all nations, you think of Acts 2, all, all, all people from every tribe and every tongue are present for the outpouring of the Spirit. You think of the, the, the disciples as they go on and they preach the gospel filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gives them the utterances and they speak the truth in his power. And verse 13, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You will will face persecution. It will be a time of great persecution. It will be a time of gospel preaching to all people. It will be a time of false teachers rising up. You think of the early church, the need to put elders in place to guard against false doctrine and false teaching. It will be a time of earthquakes and famines. Acts chapter 11, Agabus gets a prophetic word and so he goes to one church and they raise up an offering so as to give to Jerusalem who are going through uh, a famine at the time. Jesus is telling them at the time, at this time the temple in Jerusalem will be in a sense in decline but but the rise of the church Will be, uh, will be, the church will be rising. But then Jesus says this, verse 14, But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it ought not to be, Mark gives us a bracket here. Let the reader understand. Just the, the one who's reading, you, you must understand this. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. 
When this thing happens, what is this thing? The abomination of desolation. It's an event that happened um, before this when a Roman general brazenly walked into the holiest place in the temple of God, into the Holy of Holies, and he sacrificed a pig there. It was completely out of place. It was completely defiling. And Jesus warns that this will be a sign of what's going to happen. When this happens, then, then run. And now Josephus tells us that when... Josephus is a Jewish historian. Sorry. Josephus is a Jewish historian. That He tells us that when in AD 70 the temple was destroyed, he wrote in his record, um, uh, in his record the War of the Jews, 6-6, he tells us that when the Romans brought their en- when this happened, the Romans brought their ensigns into the temple, and they offered sacrifice to them. This is the second time now, and this was a man named Titus, who at that stage was a Roman general who became the emperor of Rome, and he brought the Roman gods into the temple, and they sacrificed and they worshipped to them again. Now Jesus says, "What must you do when this sign happens? You run." You run. Verse 15, let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything else. And let the one who is in the field not turn back and take his cloak. When, his cloak. when you see this sign, not all these others, then their sign's not of the end, Jesus says. But when this thing happens, he's speaking between AD 33 and AD 70. Christians who, who, who follow what I'm teaching, when you're alive between now and AD 70, when this thing happens, but verse 14, but when this, the abomination of, of desolation happens, when you see this sign, you drop everything and you run. You don't go pick up your photo albums. You don't go pick up your, your hard drives. You just run. Get, don't even get your coat. And, and it's going to be horrific and it was. And I mean, Lauren and I, three years ago, we were there in Israel. I went into Jerusalem. I saw those stones as big and as mighty as they are. They were just all over the ground. And, and, and it's beyond just destroying it. It was like they dismantled it piece by piece. This literally happened. It was horrific. You, the judgment of God is a terrible thing. You do not want to be there when it happens. I wish I could, uh, part of me wants to like water it down and, and uh, there's no watering this down. If, if you're new to our church, we don't preach fire and brimstone every Sunday. It's judgment, it's not. But, but when we work through the Bible, we get to parts of the Bible that speak about these things that are difficult, that maybe otherwise we'd rather avoid, but we can't because we want to be faithful to all of it. It is difficult. Let me say this again by virtue of transitioning from the fall of Jerusalem to the second part of this message, which is a lot shorter, um, on the coming of Christ. It is one of the trickiest bits of the Bible. There are people who read this differently, many who are faithful, godly, excellent men and women. I want to make available to you in the... In the um, it, in the weekly mailer, in the WhatsApp broadcast list, and as well as in the things that come up after the meeting, the links, is Michael Eaton's uh, 
his, his writing on this passage. It's a going deeper document where he goes into and unpacks so many of these Old Testament references that give meaning to this text. The meaning of the sun, the moon, and the stars that come from Isaiah and Ezekiel. The, moving of the, the meaning of the coming of the Son of Man in a cloud of glory which comes from Daniel. All of these things, we don't have time to really unpack what they mean here. But please, for those who want to know more and understand why, we, why our land here, uh, follow this link. Check it out this week to this one. Uh, Eaton's uh, writing on this chapter as well as the one before and, and, and understand more of this passage. This is, um, this is what I think Jesus was saying there in AD 70. And, uh, and Eaton said in preaching this as well, I heard him personally, in person speaking this, not a single Christ follower was killed in the destruction of the temple. They listened to Jesus and they got out and they were saved through this warning. Um, let's transition. Now, Jesus moves from this talk about the destruction of the temple to his return, which is also going to be similar in its bringing justice as well. And, and verse 30 for me is where he starts to transition. Verse 30, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And now comes the pivot as he starts speaking to his return. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Hey, hey, when you see the abomination of desolation around that thing, then you run because that's when it's going to happen. Happen, sorry. But concerning this day that I'm speaking about now, no one knows. We know this one. When you see that sign, it's going to happen. I know, I can tell you, in 8070, that's when it's going to happen. But this one, no one knows. Not even the angels, nor the Son, capital S. Jesus, as a, Jesus in his earthly ministry did not even know when it was going to happen, but only the Father. Now we start to transition in my read to Jesus' return. What's Jesus' return going to be about? It's going to be like the, the, the fall of Jerusalem. It's going to be about judgment coming, but it's going to also be about righteousness coming to the world. A putting of the world to right. That day will be about putting to right everything in the world. A coming together of the new heavens and the new earth, everything, perfection being restored. Jesus is coming back and he will restore all things. It will be the most beautiful, glorious moment the world has ever known. But there will also be the meeting out of God's final judgment. And this is why Jesus links these things. It's why this one triggers this one. And again, we should ask ourselves the same big question the disciples did. Well, when is this going to happen, right? Maybe now this is where it starts to get really interesting for us. I don't know. I, this, we, we're, the church has always been interested about this sort of stuff. When does Jesus say it's going to happen? And the answer is, we don't know. Verse 32, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven know, nor the Son, but only the Father. No one knows. Friends, those internet YouTubers that are out there predicting the future to the year, to the month, to the day, to the hour, and some of them even to the minute. They're wrong because no one knows. Even while Jesus was on earth, he says he didn't know when it was going to happen. The next question we should ask ourselves is, but what should we do? But what should we do? And Jesus says to us, and my answer would be, stay awake, be on your guard, and be ready. Verse 33, be on your guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. You don't know. When the time will come, it will be like a man going on a journey. And when he leaves home, he puts servants in charge, each with his work. Commandments of the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know 
when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the cock crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Stay awake. Don't be found asleep. Now, this is not a call to insomnia. This is not a call to insomnia. It is rather a charge to stay focused, to not lose sight of what's most important in life. It is a charge to live every day, this day, tomorrow, the next day, mindful of that day. Because everything will be tested. And everything we've done and everything we've not done will be uncovered. It's as, it's as, it is as if Jesus is saying, don't let this life and this world thrum you to sleep, to lose sight of what really matters. Don't let the casino effect of life. What's the casino effect? Two things you'll never find in a casino. Windows and clocks. Why? Because they want you to forget about everything, to lose track of time, to lose track of reality, and to get sucked into this little place and forget about everything else. Jesus is saying, stay awake. Keep your eye. There is a clock. You don't know what, you don't know what the time is. You don't know when it's coming. But live as if it's, it's, it's impending. Jesus is saying, don't let the world suck you in and don't get caught napping. Live every day in light of that day. Live 2022 in light of that day as if any moment Christ could return. I think this is so foreign to us. I, I've warned you of the dangers of what I would call the crazies out there who are predicting down to the minute and the whatever, 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 when Jesus is going to come back. But at least those guys, I assume, are living mindful of his return. I think our danger is that it's just drifted off into the background of our thinking. Our danger is that we've lost sight of that day. It's a call to be ready, not to be lazy. Can you imagine you were asked to house sit somebody's house, right? You're asked to house sit somebody's house. It's quite a cool thing, a bit of freedom. Come on, Ethan, soon enough, you're going to be old enough. Someone's going to say, Ethan, will you look after my house? I'm going away for a weekend. And one of these days, a few years' time, your parents will say, that's cool. You can look after that person's house, right? Maybe something like that, right? I'm going to be back on Sunday at 5 o'clock. Well, it's okay on Saturday to leave a few dishes in the sink, right? It's okay to be a little bit lazy, right? But Sunday at 4 p.m., it's time to pick your undies up off the floor, right? You know what I mean? If you know when they're coming back, it's okay to be a little bit lazy, right? What if they were to say to you, um, I'm not sure when I'm coming back, though. I could be back at any moment. You keep you keep your undies in your bag, right? <laughs> the dishes are clean as you go, right? You be prepared because it could be at any time. This is what Jesus is saying to us. Final applications to those of us who are the church and to those of us who are maybe not yet followers of Christ looking in. Final application to, to the church. I want to say living in light of that day. Let me ask you a few questions as we start 2022. What would you do this week if you knew that Christ was going to return next Sunday? How would you live this week? What would you do more of? What would you do less of? Now, I'm not saying we need to do those things this week, but I'm saying this kind of thinking needs to be in our minds. 
What, what would you do if, if February and March, term one, we, we, we started the school term on Wednesday, the whole of term one you had and you knew that Christ was going to return at the end of the first term? How would you live differently? Would you make sure that you got home for dinner? What conversations would you have around the table with your friends and your family or your roommates? Who, who would you invite to church? Who in your life group, perhaps, you haven't seen in a while, would you be phoning to say, hey, come back, we've missed you. Where, where are you at? Would you, who, who would you wrestle in prayer for? What habits would you suddenly drop because you realize they're pointless and they don't matter as much as what you thought they mattered? What would suddenly seem so unimportant in your life? Who would you forgive? Who would you reconcile with? Now, I'm not calling us to become homeless and sell all our possessions because the end of the first term, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I am saying don't become so attached to the here and now that we lose sight of that day. That day, Christ follows. You are a citizen of that world that is coming more than you're a citizen of this world right now. And that world that awaits you, the new heavens and the new earth that Christ will reinstitute when he returns, needs to be brought back now in time to our thinking to, to infiltrate how we live in the here and the now as if it could be any moment because we don't know the time. Jesus says, stay awake. I would hate for us to not heed this call and this warning of Jesus and spend 2022 giving ourselves to the wrong things. Let me, last question. Are you giving yourself and are you giving your life to serving God's kingdom? So much of, so much of the purpose of Christian life is serving Christ's kingdom. What would you do differently if you knew Christ would return at the end of the first term? How would you live? How would you decide? What decisions would you make? These are the sorts of questions I want to leave us with today. I'm not saying he is, because no one knows. I wouldn't presume to know. But Jesus is clearly saying, stay awake. Don't lose sight. That day is coming. Let's live mindful of that. Last application. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, we need, you need to take shelter under the perfect saving grace of Jesus. Think about this. Jesus is both the king who judges as well as Mark 14, Mark 15, Mark 16 will tell us, which we will get to again as we approach Holy Week in Easter. He is both the king who judges as well as the king who bears our judgment. I want to say to you the safest place when the judgment of the king comes is in the king himself, to be, be located in Christ, to have entrusted your life to him and to have pledged your allegiance to him. That is where you want to be. That is how you want to live because you will find no king in history, in present, in le leadership in the world and in the future who would both bring justice and yet bear that judgment on your behalf himself. That is unlike any king the world has ever known. That is totally like Christ. Put your trust in him. Some serious stuff to think about as we start the year. I want to call us to come before Jesus and worship. Can I invite the band 
to come and lead us. It's time to do business with Jesus, guys. So you start 2022. I don't know if you began and you made your New Year's resolutions, etc., etc., and you decided your priorities and your commitments this year. Mindful of that day. But let's stand before Jesus in prayer now. And let's invite him to, to infuse our thinking. Come, let's stand and, and let's do business with Jesus. Christ, the King of the world, the one who, who knew the future. Jesus, you knew, eighty seventy. you knew what was going to happen. You, you spoke it. You prophesied it. You called it. And history testifies to how you got it right, Jesus. And Jesus, you know the future. You know the future. You know when that day is coming. You know, actually, Lord, when that day is coming for each of our lives. And Christ, as you know that as a king, we, we come before you. And we want to say we trust you. We want to ask that that would cause us to get so sucked into the here and now that would cause us to be anxious and fearful and consumed in our thinking with now through every app through every notification through every public publication that happens so much of it just wants to consume us and fixate us and thrum us into thinking about now Jesus would you the truth of this text and make us mindful of that day that we would be a people who would not be lazy who would, who would choose carefully what we give our lives to this year Jesus speak to us about what that looks like in our lives Lord we, do, we don't want to be those who are caught napping those who look back and, and with regret and remorse and think, ah, oh, I missed it. I forgot what was most important. I wasted my time. Jesus, we want to be your servants in this moment who make the most of the times in which you've placed us. I'm going to give you a moment just as we sing and as we reflect. Let's just be slow and reflect in our lives before Jesus. As the band leads us in song. I just felt very, very, um, very certain that there's someone here that is new that is, wasn't even meant to be here today. And I, I, it, it sounds... I don't want it to sound weird, but I really do feel that your heart is pumping out of your chest right now. I can feel it myself. And Jesus has called you. He's called you out of where you were. And he's put you right here, right now, in this exact spot. To hear these words. To feel his presence. I can feel the tangibleness of the Holy Spirit working in us. And through us. And I just, for that person... I really, really plead with you, do not leave this place without recommitting, committing your life to the Creator, to Jesus. 
There's pictures coming out of the vault that shows this river that's been dammed up for so long and man tries to control it. But this river has burst its banks. There's so much water flowing out of these dams that they can't even control it. And the Holy Spirit is like that. He will move, He will captivate, and He will take you where you never thought you could go. So I I pray this morning, you know who you are. You know who you are. Say, yes, Lord. Break that dam. Holy Spirit, come and fill me now. Just raise your hands during worship and say, it's me, Lord. It's me. Come and take me again. Take me in your river that brings life. And I pray joy over that person. I feel that you're suffering from restlessness and anxiousness and all those things. But Jesus is here right now. Please listen to his voice.